Hello, it's Andy Gladwin, and I am interrupting this podcast to tell you all about the session 2020. It's going to be on January the 10th to the 12th in London Heathrow, and I think it's our strongest lineup of all time. We have David Regal, Laura London, Mike Pasciotta, Michael Vincent, Dennis Bear, and Peter Clifford. But that is just the start. We've hardly announced any of the performers that we are going to announce. And we have a guest of honor that everybody in Magic absolutely loves. We've been trying to get this person for 13 years, and finally, he's going to be there this year. So we'll see you January 2020 at London Heathrow. Check it out at vanishingmagic.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Insider Podcast, brought to you as ever by the delightful Vanishing Inc. Today, all the way from Indianapolis, on the line, we have Caleb Wiles. Caleb, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm peachy, thank you. What's your origin story? You've got 38 seconds. 38 seconds. I saw uh-huh. a Bob, Bob McAllister birthday magic party VHS tape when I was a kid. My parents got me from Toys R Us, where instead of hiring a magician, you buy a VHS tape, and the guy does a <laughs> birthday magic party show <laughs> for your friends. Um, wow. And then included in that tape was a little drawer box, and before uh-huh. your friends got there, he, sh- he showed you how to do the trick, and the final trick on the uh, the tape was you doing the drawer box along with him. So he sends you a birthday card from the screen to your living room, and your friends go wild. You've had a long relationship with Vanishing Ink. In fact, our first original products we released were your tricks, Holy yes. Blank and High Spots. Uh, yep. How did you get started with Andy and Josh? Um, I met Josh for the first time when he came through Indianapolis for a lecture, um, and I always hoped that the lecturer who, that came through would want to like go, uh, you know, grab dinner or something afterwards. And of course, Josh, mm. <laughs> knowing him now, he was of course open for that. So there was a bunch of us that <laughs> followed around, um, and I got a chance to sit next to him, and we were showing tricks. And I showed him my version of Paul Harris's reset, which I was calling reswindled. Mm-hmm. Um, he saw the trick and he goes, oh, wow, I, could, I should put that in a magazine. And I remember being like so crazy excited. This is before cell phones. And I remember, uh, or at least before I had a cell phone, let's say. Right. Other people had cell phones. And I remember like stopping at a payphone on the way home to call my girlfriend and my mom and be like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> my, my tr- I don't think Josh even knows this, but I was like, man, my trick's going to be in this magazine. So I just thought that's the craziest thing ever. Uh, so it ended up being in the magazine. And then... Uh, Many years later, um, I got a call from Joshua J. And of course, I hadn't seen him in years and didn't think he remembered who I was. Uh, and he said something like, uh, uh, yeah, I just got off the phone with Paul Harris. And I was like freaking out that Joshua J. even was calling me, let alone someone who talks about Paul Harris is calling me. Of course. Yeah. Um, and then he says, yeah, he, Paul Harris was, uh, was asking me about you. And then I had this sinking feeling of like, oh, no. <laughs> like, there's yeah, no yeah, reason yeah. Sure, he he's would mad. be. Yeah. Well, no, I was thinking that he didn't know who I was. Like, uh, I think Josh has called the wrong person. Like, there's probably some other Caleb <laughs> or something. Um, and he goes, no, he, he's doing some new DVD set. And he was reading through my column and he wanted me to try to find his Caleb Wiles because he thinks your version of Reset's the best version of, uh, ever and he, he actually uses wow. your version out and I just could not what? believe it it was like <laughs> so surreal and then Josh was like and actually you know we're starting this new magic company with Andy Gladwin who I was sort of had mutual friends with uh, uh, some other guys on the old Second Deal website right. and they said we're starting a new magic thing and we hear you're having you have written a book and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I have been working on this book for like three years or five years or something. Uh, they were like, why don't you send that over and we'll, we'll see if we can publish it. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, I also have this deck of cards I've been working on. And it just all went from now there. So a random phone call one day from Josh Jay. That's how it all started. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You did fool us. I did. How, how did you get involved in that? Uh, well, now, with I, all, you're I, friends with all these highfalutin magician types now. <laughs> yes, I, I guess so. Uh, basically, I guess I showed one of the tricks on high spots is called 26 factorial. And that I used at MagiFest many a years. To, it was sort of my go-to magician fooler. Um, mm -hmm. And I uh, actually had released it on a DVD with Vanishing Ink. And basically, it started to kind of get around. And um, one time I was at a convention and Aussie Wind said, Hey, Caleb. And again, I'm like, every time a magician recognizes me, I'm like, Oh, my God, God you know me. Whatever. Um, so he says, Come here for a second. I want you to meet uh, my friend. He just did your trick uh, on Israeli television for Max Maven. <laughs> just just like such, a, such a random thing, but it's so cool. So he sent me the YouTube clip, and uh, it was some. It was in a different language, of course, but it was some similar trick to fool us, where they're showing a trick to Max Maven. And uh, anyways, he does my trick, uh, so I think, man, that's so cool. And it never dawned on me that I could do this on Fool Us um, uh, in America. And then I got a phone call from I think two different guys, uh, and wanting to do, asking for permission to submit 26 Factorial as their Fool Us. Uh. Um, audition, and I thought, you know, like it, normally I would just say yes, but I just politely thought, you know what, you guys are actually kind of giving me, you know, the idea that maybe I should submit it myself. And they were like, oh yeah, sure, it's cool, you know, it's your trick. So I submitted the trick the next year um, and uh, got a call from the producers, and they ended up uh, liking another trick that I had just posted to my YouTube uh, channel that was just me on a Eric LeClaire's couch performing uh, for his girlfriend at the time, and they just liked the premise of the trick, and uh, that's basically what ended up turning into the fully automatic card trick, which is what made it to television. So what was the experience like? To, uh, how, how many days were you uh, involved in shooting for it? I think we shot for three days, if I'm uh, not mistaken, but the experience actually starts while you're at home. Uh, you'll end up having lots of phone calls with the producers. Uh, What's lots? Uh, I would say, well, I guess a lot, maybe, uh, I probably had four phone calls or five. Okay. Uh, the first one was basically to say, hey, we like your stuff. Um, we like this 26 factorial, um, but they said, <laughs> this, this kills me to this day, they said, we really like that trick, and I think it's really fooling, but you know, it's just a regular card trick, is what they said, <laughs> which sort of <laughs> breaks my heart. Uh, but what they, what they meant was that it's just a trick with shuffling and a deck of cards and cards matching. There's no external things to it so the, actually the three sure. tricks they liked were uh the 26 factorial uh the fully automatic card trick and the third one was a trick i also put out with vanishing ink um called all signs point to yes which is basically it's a, a trick where uh you write you draw an eight ball on the back of a uh, like an eight of clubs and then mm -hmm. you shake the eight ball like they like you do with a children's toy to ask it questions, and you ask the ask it questions about the, the spectator's card, and it keeps morphing, uh, you know, from the eight of clubs to the eight of diamonds. So now it's it's the right color. Now it changes from the eight of diamonds to the eight of hearts. So now it's the right suit. And then you give mm -hmm. them the card. They shake it back and forth. Uh, they say, "What is my card?" And it turns into their signed card, and they have a nice little souvenir. And the drawing oh, is still perfect. on the back. So it's a nice little walk around trick. I do it all the time um and i was shocked that f the people on fool us wanted that to be on the show i mean it's a, a 90 second trick with you know a straight up pick a card find a card sort of premise and mm. it relies on the double lift and you know a little color change that wouldn't fool 
any magician. Um, uh-huh. And I, I remember telling them that, like, I, you know, the producers aren't magicians, so I thought maybe they just don't know how it works. You know, I, I'll, let, I'll let them know, hey, this won't fool a magician. And the first, I guess, lesson I learned about Fool Us was that they said, oh, yeah, that's not the primary goal. Uh, right. And I, oh, well, you know, like now it seems obvious that they're making a television show with millions of sure. dollars and millions of viewers. But like I was still in my little magic method mode. Um, and yeah, I so, won't fool. I won't fool them with this. I want to do something yes. better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so that, that, I guess that was the first lesson. So at that point, that trick was sort of out because I didn't think it was, you know, grand enough for, um, you know, my one Fool Us performance. So um, they said they really liked this fully automatic card trick. Um uh, routine because it allowed Allison to do, sort of do the trick uh, mm-hmm. for me, um, and basically that was like the first few phone calls. And then after that, you have phone calls with uh, I don't know what their official position, but people who are in charge of making sure your bio video uh, goes off well. So okay. they'll they'll do some brainstorming about you know what do you uh, what 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 tricks can you do for the the B-roll footage? Uh, mm-hmm. What do you want the theme to be? Uh, and I, I will say, if if you're thinking of going on Fool Us, or if you've uh, if you got a performance, you know, already, and you're thinking about the the method to your trick and the performance of your trick, the other part that I think is very important is that bio video because it's basically, you know, it's a 30 second commercial for you, and that's it's your sizzle reel, right? Yeah, and that's mostly how the audience is going to relate to you, um, you know, okay. when they watch the television show. And I think that from talking with guys who have been on the show, a lot of people had similar experiences to me where. I wasn't focused on that at all, um, and I think that's you know maybe one of the most important parts of the whole package is that uh, sizzle reel. So how how did how did that process happen? They were asking you how you wanted it to to feel and what theme it was, or they were dictating to you. We think it should be this. What was how how was your involvement in that? Right. So in the pre-process before I got there, they were very open to our our ideas and basically say you know everybody's doing a color change with a card. Everybody, mm-hmm. like the, the same things you would think of, right? Everybody's doing a fan <laughs> of cards yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, you know, springing the spring them from hand. Yeah, snap right? change. Yes. yes, the same, same stuff. So he's, you know, anything that's different. So uh, I'm super into board games. So I pitched doing sleight of hand with board game components. Uh, okay. so, so that was sort of the, the one of the pitches. And then the other one I pitched was Rubik's Cubes, which I've always been a big fan of Rubik's Cubes. Uh, and I do some Rubik's Cubes routines uh, in my act. So I pitched uh, creating like a big wall of Rubik's cubes, and I would spell out the Penn and Teller Foolus logo. And once they heard right. that, they thought like, "Oh yeah, that's definitely, <laughs> definitely better than everything else." Uh, you know, we're being pitched. So uh, they were they were super excited about that idea. And they took me when I got there to uh, was it I forget which place it was some some casino uh hotel and they blocked off the area and for you know 30 minutes or an hour i'm building this big uh stack of rubik's cubes and people are walking by wondering what all these cameras are focused on this guy doing (laughs) that that for uh and then you know they speed it up and it takes like you know two seconds on the show but it's cool to see it all come together so when you're there for the three days, you do the, the insert for your bio reel, sizzle reel bit, and then what's the day like when you're actually shooting your bit? I mean, had you done much TV before? Um, I had never done TV besides like little local news things to promote okay. a, a local magic show. So were you nervous? Um, I was nervous. You know, getting to Vegas, I was nervous. Um, but I have to say, like by the time it came time to perform for Penn & Teller, 
you spend so much time waiting around. Hanging about, right. There's, I mean, at a certain, I mean, I was just over it and I was just ready, not in a negative way, but it was just like, no, there no, was no. nothing yeah, to be yeah, nervous yeah. about it. You're just like, right. look, I'm not going to get any better. All I have thought about for the last, you know, weeks leading up to this, and then especially like here in Vegas by myself, sitting in this green room for three hours, I've gone over the script 30 times. Like, mm-hmm. I'm never going to be more prepared. So at this point... I'm just ready to sink or swim and, uh, you know, see how things go. So. And how long, how did you get much stage time beforehand? How long, how long do you get? That, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's different for uh, different people. So that's one of the things that I was the most uh, shocked by and a little disappointed in because I had built it up in my head. You know, the, the first day you're there, I don't know if everyone follows the same schedule, but the first day I was there, it was like a 9 a.m. call to perform for uh, like Michael Close and the producers in mm-hmm. just like a little, not even on the stage, but just like, so they could, you know, they've been dealing with so many people, they probably don't remember even, you know, what you're doing. Uh, so I, I walk I walk into the room and the producers are there, like, oh, hi, Caleb, it's great to see you. And actually <laughs> the first thing they said to me was, oh yeah, we need to figure out which one of those three tricks you're gonna do. As huh. if, <laughs> of course, all I've been prepping for uh, for the oh, last man. two months uh, has been this one trick. But in their mind, they just juggled so many things. And, you know, yeah. So I said, actually, no, I think I'm going to do this one. Can I just show it to you? Uh, let's not even talk about other options. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Forget and, that. And, yeah, so then let me know what you think then. So um, the guy before me had actually gone in. I, I, don't, I forget even who the performer was. But, you know, I think you're scheduled for an hour. And he had gone, like, two hours or something he'd really just oh. way gone over his time i think obviously he had a more complicated setup <laughs> i mean i had a deck of yeah. cards in my pocket that's all i need sure. <laughs> <laughs> um so they're working so they get to me so i'm thinking okay man this is going to be intense or whatever so uh yeah i go in there i do the trick one time and they say oh wow that's great yeah we have no Thanks. notes just do that on stage wow <laughs> and I thought, uh, okay, I guess that's, so I didn't know at the time was it's that like, good. Uh, well, I mean, it could be good. I mean, you should, somebody should probably think of that as a good thing. I was not thinking of it necessarily as a good okay. thing. I thought, okay, well maybe they just, you know, maybe, maybe they're not thinking mine's one that's going to air or, you know, I, I don't know what it was. Looking back, I think it was just the fact oh, that. Oh, so you were instant as, as there were no notes, your mind went to, oh, then they're going to chop me and it's not yeah, going to get on. Yeah, I, I did not Man, get a positive direction on that one. I'm, that I'm, glass is half empty, <laughs> Caleb. I'm normally a very a positive guy, but that one was, <laughs> I had just built it up so much and that was the most nervous I had been was sitting outside the right. room and then it was just over in like i mean 15 minutes 12 minutes some really okay. short amount of time um and that was that was it um so then uh the, the next step was we went and we did uh some b-roll footage which is where we did the rubik's cubes and then i, I also talked interview style um that also helps for your bio video and he just asks you a bunch of questions you sit in a chair and you know they're trying to try to get some personality out of you and what's the mm. shit gonna be um, and that's where the infamous puzzle master magician uh, <laughs> comes yeah, from. Yeah, well, that was that was my next question. So puzzles, you love them, talk about them, yeah. but apparently that's nonsense. Yeah, well, I, I do love puzzles. Um, I do Rubik's cube in my act, but I don't do anything, you know, super fancy. I do the same kind of Rubik's cube magic that a lot of other people do. Um, and then in my, you know, I mentioned board games before. I guess the only hobby that even comes close to magic uh, in my life is. Uh, board game like modern tabletop board games uh-huh. uh so i guess i i am a puzzle sort of guy a nerdy guy uh, but i sit down in the chair and the guy's like all right we need we need to say hi i'm caleb wiles i am and then say what your stage name is and i say oh i don't really have a stage name it's just 
you know, my name, <laughs> Caleb Wiles. Yeah. And he said, what kind of performer are you? Are you? And I said, oh, I'm kind of a nerdy guy, like board games and comic books. He goes, I said, like, you know, Rubik's Cubes. He goes, ah, okay, you say, I'm Caleb Wiles, the puzzle master magician. And I paused for a second. <laughs> I said, well, Do I have to? <laughs> yeah. I, said, I, told him I really want to instantly right now, like, uh, just classify myself as that. And he goes, well, if you can come up with something better in the next 30 seconds, you can say that. Otherwise, let's just go with Puzzle Master Magician. <laughs> wow. And I went with Puzzle Master Magician. So uh, it, it always feels a little weird to see me say that when I see the clip. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what they wanted me to go with. That, 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 were you uncomfortable? I mean, that, that, having 30 seconds to come up with something better seems like an immense amount of pressure for you. Yes. And I mean, I, I, I am lucky that they didn't say something that was totally untrue. I mean, I, that does sort of yeah, the, my the racist, the racist yeah, dog punching right. magician. <laughs> exactly right. Yes. Um, Note, Caleb is not racist. <laughs> right. Note, I don't actually know him. He might be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm lucky that it wasn't too uh, objectionable, um, and, I, and it wasn't it wasn't a lie. Like they could have said, "Hey, I'm Caleb Wiles, the coin magician," which you right, know, yeah, is yeah. super not true. So uh, I guess I'm okay with it. But yeah, I, I definitely like now I've gone with the the moniker Super Nerd. So I had the Super Nerd Magic Show, uh, and I think yeah, if I had that back then, I probably would have just said, "I'm the Super Nerd," and that would have hit his criteria and also satisfied mine. So right. What was the first trick you invented, Caleb? First trick I invented was probably a trick uh, called Make-A-Wish, which is something um, that's actually on the latest DVD set from Vanishing Ink, and they were just giving it out as a free download. I don't know if that's still going on, um, but it's a, uh, a cool little trick that I used to do in restaurants. Uh, I would always run into the problem where I would go up to a table and find out while I was at the table that it was someone's birthday. And I liked okay. be, I wanted to solve the problem of what trick can I do that's birthday like special for their birthday, but yet I don't have to set it up ahead of time. Um, so I, I came right. up with a solution, and basically the, the, the trick is I have uh, pull out an envelope, and in the envelope I say is a, a birthday card for you later. They choose a card, sign their name on it, and then inside the envelope is the, the signed card. And not only is it their signed card, when we turn it over, there's a birthday cake drawn on the back, and it's got candles. And then the kicker, okay. the kicker ending is they. I say, oh, it's your birthday. We need to blow out the candles. And now I let them blow ah. out the candles, and they turn it over. And now the the flames are gone. There's smoke left over, and they can keep it as a souvenir. Very nice indeed. So how did that come about? How do you go from the need to come up to a table to solve something to to coming up with that particular plot? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with what I'm reading or what I'm studying at the time. My my creative process has always been. Uh, to try to add constraints to a problem. So I, I'm not a person who can okay. sit down and from nothing, like Paul Harris, come up with some off-the-wall idea. You know, coming up with uh, trick ideas like that is very difficult. However, if you come to me and you say, hey, I've got these criteria, I want this to be a middle trick in my show, I want it to last less than this amount of time, I want it to use these props, and, and you start to add constraints, then I can, you know, access my Caleb Wiles <laughs> magic database in my head for all the books right. I've read, and then I can slowly say, okay, well, that means we can't, this is out, this is in. Let's see what our, you know, what pieces are left. Let's put them together as best we can. And that's my favorite thing about magic, no question, is that process of trying to make someone's show better, whether it's my show or a friend's show. And I mean, I guess it comes back to the puzzles. That's the puzzle to solve. 
uh, to me is more fun than the performance. It's more fun than learning a trick from someone else. I like to create a new thing, uh, you know, sort of under that structure. Yeah, interesting. So despite this half fictitious love of puzzles, you create a lot of self-working magic. Clue, television telepathy, automatic mind reading in your new release, the fully automatic card trick. What yep. attracts you to self-working tricks, Caleb? Um, I think a lot of it is, I sort of have Steve Beam approach to it. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm just trying to take a principle that I find interesting um, and see how far I can push it. Um, but mm -hmm. most of the time when I see, you know, heavy sleight of hand card tricks, I do, you know, I do, I would call intermediate level sleight of hand. So the standard top change and palm and double lift and, you know, the, the stuff like that. Um, One-handed table pharaohs. Yeah. So when you start getting into like very esoteric, you like center deals and, uh, you know, some, some of these things that can look good if you perfectly execute them. And then, you know, I, I just, to me, that kind of magic never seems um, as direct as it maybe could be or as hands-off mm -hmm. as it could be. So even if I don't know what you're doing, you're still gripping the deck in a certain way. There's a tension in your hand. And there's very mm. few guys who can get away with making that. Like David Williamson, he can do, you know, his pass, I think, is the best pass in Magic. And it's not because you can burn it and not see any flash. But there's literally, like, zero tension anywhere in his body. So everything yeah, just yeah. feels so, like, natural. Um, but th those guys like, like that are very hard to, to come by. So I, I like... I like to try to, I guess the best way to talk about it is I like economy of method. So okay. I, like the, I like to do something in a trick and um, let, let's say I need to reverse a card, for example. I could mm -hmm. reverse a card by doing, you know, Marlowe's future reverse and, and again, have that tension and try to nail it and like make sure that that looks okay. Or I would much rather find a way of reversing a card through the presentation. So... Um, you know, I have another trick where the one way I reverse the card is by the old Browie reversal, which is kind of a dumb looking mm -hmm. move. But in the context of the trick, I talk about um, how magicians always have this uh, debate about whether you should show off your abilities to do like, you know, fancy civil cuts and things like that. So the way I cover it is I, as I talk through my mentor telling me, hey, look, when you give the deck a cut like this and I do the weird looking uh. cut... And then I put the deck on the table. I say, people know you're doing something. And if you want to look like real magic. <laughs> as, as you do something. As I do something, right? And so it, it, it does, it's again, it's an economy of method. The method is being accomplished, but also the action is helping inform the story. And the story is helping cover the action. And it should just flow seamlessly, um, you know, through the routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a, a friend of mine at the Magic Circle that when he does... Um, equivocate or equivoke or however you choose to pronounce it he says you know that old magician's choice thing Just, right. this isn't that and right. then goes straight into it <laughs> yes greg wilson has the best one the thing that i remember the first time i saw it in my mind it like changed my magic life <laughs> and i don't even know if it's you know his but he's the first person i saw do it he just did like a false transfer of a coin and he made it vanish and it's in his other hand right and he reaches in his uh -huh. pocket and he goes look it's not in my pocket it's not in my <laughs> sleeve and he just puts it in his pocket rolls up his sleeve and it looks the most fair possible and you're just <laughs> doing it as you're saying it and i think that that's so brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it could be a whole new uh, subgenre of magic, yeah. <laughs> hidden in hidden in very, very plain sight. Yes. 
So how did you come up with the idea for um, the fully automatic card trick? Um, again, it's like one of those things of, it depends on what I was reading at the time. So I was reading uh, mm -hmm. one of those... But it's been, it's, it's, you've been playing with it for a few years, haven't Many you? Many years, yeah. So the original trick I came up with because on um, the secondddeal.com website, which is no longer around, but back in the day before social media, that was the way to share card magic and to see what was out you know, before it hit the mm -hmm. magazines. Um, and they had a... a problem posed contest so we would do this every once in a while and somebody says i want you to create a trick where the magician's not allowed to touch the deck and i thought okay dang that's a really cool trick uh i don't even know what the trick would be but if that was the condition that could be the whole whole premise is just i'm not gonna touch mm. the deck so i played around with it and i started reading um the self-working card trick books that i had in my shelf from dover like those Carl Falls books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was a trick in there where I don't even remember what the trick was now, but it, basically one card, I might even be misremembering if you're trying to find it, but there was a card <laughs> that on the back of it said something like, oh, your card is, I don't know, 10 cards away or something like that, where the card that was written on was talking about some other position in the deck, which right. seemed like a cool idea because, like, well, how would that card know after I shuffle? Like, that seems mm -hmm. like a, a no way that could happen. So I like that premise. Um, so then I just basically started playing around with how many messages could be in the deck, and I hit upon the idea of, say, like, having one say, like, oh, keep dealing, you're almost there. Kind of mm. feels like it's leading you in the right direction, even though, of course, it doesn't matter <laughs> where that card is, right? Uh, but from Fool Us, that actually helps speed up the exactly. like, I'm not being rude, but procedural yep. element to it, that it Correct. was like something to keep Alison interested. You exactly. Know. And it also serves, talking about the economy of method, it also serves as a logical reason for her to start dealing a new pile. Well, because right. I want her to deal a new pile because I want another revelation. Yeah, um, of course, yeah. Yeah, so then I just started playing around with that. And then basically when it finally ended, um, it took me way longer than the opening was for that problem posed uh contest but I, I still continue working on the trick and i ended up with a cool trick and it had at the end uh you found your card you found the mates and then at the end there were four aces on the bottom of every pile thinking like a magician right just yeah, <laughs> oh sure. let's make aces appear right so, uh, <laughs> i like the trick and i did the trick uh, mostly to magicians but uh some of my layman friends but it was never a part of my real show uh back in the day right. uh and then the Producers from Fullest saw this, and I never in a million years would have guessed that they would have chose a trick for TV that involved dealing through the deck of cards, like mm. all the way through the deck of cards. Doesn't seem like a TV trick. Um, but it was another important lesson from that show that the premise can carry you so far. Like, again, that thing that attracted me to this problem posed it in the first place was a trick so easy your spectator is going to do it. Like, you're not going to touch the deck, and you can make that a big part of the premise. Um, so basically when they said they liked the trick, I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to do this trick on television, I have to make, I have to make it way better. So the old method used a deck of cards that couldn't be examined at all. You couldn't even show all the cards were different because half of the deck was all duplicate cards. I thought right. that's got to go. Um, and then my friend Ryan Schlutz solved the biggest problem for me. And that was those four aces at the bottom. He said, you know, instead of having it say the aces, that should, that should be like a message like, and then uh, we started playing around, and then we came up with, did we fool you? And I thought, oh, my God, that's like the mic drop moment for this trick. Sure. Um, so we engineered the thing from the ground up, and I talked with do like a dozen guys, probably a lot, a lot of guys in Magic, all these guys, again, who I've met at Magic Fest and I've uh, sessioned with and I wouldn't have had access to if I didn't publish High Spots years ago. 
Mm. Um, and we just did that process that I talked to you through earlier of, you know, here are our constraints. The constraints and fit, right. Yep. And then it was a lot of, you know, I talked talk to Michael Murray and he has an idea and I go, oh my God, now I got to talk to John G about this. And I talked to John G <laughs> and he goes, oh, you should tell Michael this. And it was sort of this asynchronous session that I was the middle of. And then eventually we came up with, uh, you know, the way of the, the deck should be constructed and I had to create the deck and uh, came to the show and that was it. Did that phone, uh, did that phone mess with you? And then your phone rang. Yeah. That's, that's them asking you back for the new Could season. <laughs> that utterly not self-working, complicated, <laughs> knuckle-busted <laughs> trick. Right. Yes. We, we can't, you can't do that because then we won't be able to sell it. And, right. You know, right. self, self-working is great. People love that. Keep, keep, yep. keep with that. Yes. Um, what's next for Caleb? Are you working on a new show? Yeah, I'm working on the new show called Super Nerd. Um, I'm very fortunate. I have a I have a day job that I love. My wife has a day job she loves. So we're very fortunate from a, a you know financially set standpoint, and we both have jobs that are secure and that we like. So Magic to me has never been about the pursuit of you know the most commercial show. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I want to do the show that I want to do, and uh, so the the new idea is. Uh, I'm going to do this show. It's, it's called Magic for the Modern Nerd, uh, Super Nerd, Magic for the Modern Nerd. And it's basically just a show um, where we do magic squares and we do uh, sort of nerdy type things. And there's references to Super Mario Brothers and nostalgic things from my childhood. Uh, and it's sort of a fringe festival-y theater type show. Um, and then my, my plan is to uh, get together with some local charities and have them take care of the marketing and they can keep the uh-huh. money. And then I get to do a cool theater show, um, and you know I think I think that's sort of the brand of the thing. It's like, hey, let's be a bunch of nerds at a comic convention or at a theater or at a board game store on a weekend or something, uh, raise some money for charity, and then I get to do the kind of magic that I that I like. How wonderful! How wonderful to be in a situation where you can just do it for the, the love of doing it, rather yeah. than having to get the next payment on your car or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, we've got four quick-fire questions. Sure. Um, your favorite band slash magician slash composer? Oh, man. Okay. So, favorite band is a band called Pomplamoose. Next question. Favorite pizza topping? Uh, I'll just go with mushrooms. Okay. Favorite film? Uh, this is Cult of the New, but I would say probably Avengers Infinity War. Maybe that's just I'm excited for the new one coming out. <laughs> who, would, who, would, who would you rather fight? 100 tiny Andes or one giant Joshua? I think the Andes. I think you could stomp out the Andes. It would take longer, but it would be easier overall. And possibly more satisfying. <laughs> Caleb, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. If people want to keep up with the, the Super Nerd show or with you in general, are you on that there social media somewhere where people can follow you? I am. You can just go to calebwiles.com or just search me on Facebook and I will show up there. Thank you so much for your time, Caleb. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.